One's called baking soda. Just don't put soda. baking in front of both. Powder and soda. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Guys, stop fighting. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel Handler, and welcome to Lady Problems, where every Thursday, me and a rotating crew of ladies look at the way that pop culture is treated women in a given week. It's almost always terribly. This week, we've got Teo Bugby. Hello, Teo Bugby. Hi. And Hazel Sills. Hi, Hazel. Hi. And we're going to talk about the madness that was this week's Golden Globes, airing our grievances with Hollywood's drunkest, most uncomfortable evening. Then we'll talk about our dream award season in a world where the entertainment industry appropriately recognizes projects by and about women and people of color and lets Casey Affleck suffocate inside his own beard. Later, we'll answer a lady problem from a woman who wants to find a women's club that isn't expensive or pretentious. All right, so let's talk about the Golden Globes. There were there was so much uh, petty bullshit going on. Taya, what was your biggest lady problem with the Globes? So my problem with the Globes started before the Globes even started, <laughs> which um, was on the red carpet. And I just don't understand how NBC managed to rid itself of one Bush, Billy Bush, and then just inexplicably hire another Bush, Jenna Bush. It's like I shaved one bush and was slapped a merkin, and I just (laughs) didn't ask for either, ever. I would never want this. Also, Jenna Bush looks exactly like GW, and it's just disturbing. It's not fun. It's not entertaining, and it's not necessary. It's unsettling. It is unsettling. Her face, the way that she reminds me of George Bush. (laughs) And, And she doesn't know the difference between hidden figures and fences. You mean Hidden Fences, a (laughs) film that was referenced multiple times by multiple people throughout the Golden Globes ceremony? I literally can't. I still can't believe it. It's so horrifying. What would the plot of Hidden Fences even be if it were a real movie? I was thinking about this a lot, actually. (laughs) Instead of sending um, people into space, they're just building a fence on the moon. (laughs) An invisible fence. A fence around Denzel Washington. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's just so many. Uh, there's like an amazing Twitter hashtag about the plot of Hidden Fences. <laughs> I think it's ludicrous that in you wouldn't learn about hidden figures and like the story of hidden figures in school. So you have to find out about it from a movie to begin with. Then on top of it, people can't even get the fucking name right. Like it's not that hard. You have a, a whole fucking teleprompter to tell you what the names of literally every movie it, uh, is that's nominated in the ceremony. Yeah, I mean, I I truly don't understand why what she was doing on the red carpet to begin with. I, I feel like I missed something. Like, is this her new thing? Is this her new career path? Like, I'm genuinely confused. Someone no one explained help. it. It's like they thought that they could just slide one under. <laughs> just another hey, another like Bush this. family member. Is this like a Trump TV thing? Well, well, somebody, well, Carrie Washington, when she was talking to Carrie Washington on the red carpet, kind of gave her a little bit of shade because Jenna Bush like randomly brought up that Kerry Washington was very supportive of the Obama administration, which oh. was passive aggressive to begin with, where it's just kind of like, are you making an insinuation? Am I, is she supposed to answer to her political beliefs? Like, are we going to have an actual discussion about an issue here? Or are you just like trying to reference your own time in the White House, which Kerry Washington kind of shaded her on? I think she said like, Girl, you know about late nights in the White House. It's like, yeah. Ooh, the Bush twins. Yeah, late Did nights in general. Up. Also, yeah, Jenna Bush asking 
infinite questions about other people's drinking habits. Like, we don't remember 2002, 2008. Like, come we'll on, never girl. forget you, Jenna Bush. <laughs> you can't hide from us. You can't hide from us and you can't make money from us. No. Like, go away. But that is something that, like, the fact that NBC just hired Megyn Kelly and now they're having Jenna Bush do the yeah. red carpet. It's like, what is up? I, I mean, I'm just I saying there's remember- a conspiracy. <laughs> Hazel's shaking her head at me. No, I agree. There's oh, okay. probably something up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Hazel, what's your what was your Golden Globes lady problem? My Golden Globes lady problem is that Goldie Hawn deserves better. Um, our coworker, Ira Madison of Speed Dial, tweeted uh, when she came out to present an award with Amy Schumer, who she's in a new movie with, that he didn't want Goldie Hawn's comeback like this, and I completely agree. Like, Goldie Hawn is an amazing comedic actress. Like, love Private Benjamin, love Overboard. She really hasn't been making movies in the past few years, and I guess her comeback is with this new movie with Amy Schumer called Snatched, where they play, like, a mother-daughter duo. <laughs> and, like, not only were was her joke, the jokes in the the presentation monologue, like, kind of stupid like she like couldn't read the prompter because she's oh she's like an old lady or something like it was very weird she forgot her glasses oh no and it went (laughs) I was like is this a bit right it was confusing and I also thought it was maybe I thought first because it was she was blonde but then Tay was like no it's because she's old and I was like oh so (laughs) it's just worse yeah (laughs) I think it might be both oh she's an old blonde person yes oh how fucking revolutionary I mean joke the tele like all of the jokes throughout the show, like Sofia Vergara getting on stage to be like, Oh, another joke about my accent. I can't say annual and I have to say anus. Like, okay. Who fucking or, writes or, this shit? Oh, it's so annoying. It's so frustrating. It's also frustrating, like, because she'll do it. Like <laughs> <laughs> Like Sophia, girl, you've been famous for long enough that you can just say no. Right. I that's I actually can't believe that. For Goldie and Sophia. Wouldn't you think that they have the power at this point to be like, I'm actually not going to like play on my age or my or my race? See, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Goldie Hawn does have that. Like, I just feel like like I'm waiting for the BAM retrospective of Goldie Hawn movies because I feel like for younger people, they don't know anything about her mm. like comedic career or movie career as much as like, I don't know, older people do. And like, uh I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of weird, and I don't know how I feel about her being in a movie with Amy Schumer. Right. Yeah. And that whole uh, Beyonce parody that they did this summer, too. Oh, I did not. I blocked that out of my (laughs) life. I I feel like I I saw a headline about it, and I was like, nope. And I, like, erased it from the internet. I was like, I'm not interacting with whatever. Gold, I, it feels like Goldie was kidnapped by, like, I think Goldie was kidnapped by Amy Yeah. I think we need to find her. We need to save her. I mean... She okay, needs like I, a guest spot on Veep or something. Yeah, I love, like, that's what I want for her. Like something that's not. I best. agree. I love Goldie Hawn as much as the next person, but I will <laughs> say, like, Goldie really does not give a fuck. She has been sitting on like whatever private island she and Kurt own. They like live in the middle of Colorado. <laughs> yeah, or exactly. Yeah. She has no internet. There's no way. This girl is not following the discourse. She did not know who Amy Schumer was when Amy Schumer got in touch with her. Like it was definitely the sort of thing where Kate Hudson pulled up on her phone like three YouTube videos. Those are the only YouTube videos she's watched this decade. Yeah, wait, also how is how is Goldie Hawn in a mother-daughter comedy movie with Without. Amy Schumer and not Kate Hudson? That's I just realized that. Such this. a good question. 
This is another Do conspiracy. I want another Kate Hudson movie, though? Yes. I would watch a Goldie Hawn, Kate Hudson buddy com. Oh, would I? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, like, hard against Kate, to be honest. I've always been anti-Kate. Why? I would hang out with Kate, but I wouldn't watch a movie with her. Why? She's so boring. She's boring to me in the same way that, like, Blake Lively is boring. I, like, have a thing, I think, with, like, boring blonde white women who, like, don't have a personality for me. Wow. But what about Almost Famous? I just, I never really no. got into it. I don't know. You don't love that mystical groupie role? You don't love <laughs> no. how I she love saves her. every man in the movie with her magical vagina? Vagina, like- <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that movie when I was like a little too young and being like, I want to be Penny Lane. And my dad was like, Rachel, she is a prostitute. And I just <laughs> cried and cried and cried. I was so upset. <laughs> Great clothes, though. Amazing clothes. Great style. I was her for Halloween. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really rocked that Thank like you. mohair vest. Thank you. Also, Goldie Hawn is the name of my fake band that I have with my brother. <laughs> I just needed to put that out there. We're, we're going to come back to that on another episode. Okay. Um, Rachel. Yes. What is your Golden Globes lady problem? So I obviously, like was infuriated when Casey Affleck won. And it was only made more infuriating by how disgusting he looked. I mean, he literally, he looked like he was sinking, like someone had caved in his face and it was just slowly sinking into his beard. Like, I don't understand how we're supposed to find that attractive. And I don't understand how he's allowed to go to award shows looking like that. Aren't there women in his life or humans in his life that are like, dude, get your get your face together. Yeah, I actually got into an argument with my boyfriend. We were watching the show about how I thought it was for a role. Yeah, is it for a role? <laughs> I think it's for a role. No, really? I think it it reminds me of when Leo was walking around looking really disgusting, but also dating Rihanna looking right. with the full Revenant beard. Yeah. Like, this is Casey's The Revenant moment, I Ew. feel like. But I don't know what the role is. We'll be back with more Lady Problems after this ad. So just to clarify why I hate Casey, in case anyone doesn't know, I realized I just moved right onto his Please, beard. A lot of people don't know, yeah, which is so what's he, sick about it. He um, basically sexually, allegedly sexually harassed two of women, two separate women that he worked with um, several years ago, one of whom claimed he climbed into her bed and was touching her and then was really upset when she kicked him out of bed and she left like it's just very quick. It's all sealed and, and we don't know what happened. So we can't really all we can do is read about the charges but basically he's a shady fuck no matter what and you can tell like even when he's up there on stage I'm just like repul- I just feel unsafe and gross I don't know what it is about him I didn't think he deserved that award I thought he there's there's something very low energy about him <laughs> like <laughs> okay <Yes>. Trump <laughs> you're the Trump of this podcast now. no I just I just sad he, you know honestly it might be his voice which, which he just has this like mumbly, which is a pet peeve of mine, like mumbly, yeah. cotton ball voice. And then he's in that sad movie where everyone overacts around him. Like I haven't seen, did you see it? Yeah. I, I like refuse to see it. I really love that filmmaker. I just haven't been able to make myself go. I've like avoided all of the movies by like disgusting people. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw I didn't Ridge. see the Woody <laughs> Allen movie. I didn't see Birth of a Nation. And right. I didn't now... even know there was a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> Wait, okay, what's the new Woody so... Allen movie? Um, I don't know. The one with <laughs> Kristen Stewart. 
I know, which was a sacrifice for me because obviously I'm on the Kristen Stewart train. Oh, the one with Blake Lively and Kristen Stewart. Yeah, the Blake Lively thing made it a little easier. What was it called? Like tea time or something? <laughs> if you <laughs> if you do a Woody Allen movie in 2017, you might as well be doing a Lifetime movie. Yeah. Like, I just don't know about it. It's just going to like air. Maybe you'll watch it like years later and make fun of it. It's I don't cheesy. Know. Right. It's like... Don't they all take place in the 1920s now? Like, yeah, they do. <laughs> That's well, because I mean. he's not allowed in the, in the present. 1920s. <laughs> like That's honestly, so everyone hates him so much that he like can't make a contemporary film again. Yeah, but the Casey Affleck thing is frustrating because it's like no one acknowledges it. You yes, know? it's really it was really gross watching him again on the red carpet where it's just like he's getting all of these inane questions from people like Jenna Bush, and then they cut to like Sting and Sting's wife, and Sting's wife's like, "Oh my God, Casey Affleck is so hot." No, I know, and I was Trudy. like, "Would you think that?" Yeah, come on, Trudy. <laughs> like, would you think this? Like when he's like climbing into bed with you, like asking you to pull his dick. Right. Like, <laughs> please. Pull his dick. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Horrifying. <laughs> Truly horrifying on every level right now. Um, yeah, I don't know what it will take for people to give a shit that he's like a terrible person. I mean, obviously, Nate Parker suffered in a sense, at least in an award season for or thus far for Birth of a Nation for his rape charges. And but again, I don't know if it uh, obviously it's Casey Affleck's white. And it's a little bit shadier in terms of... Well, he's been in the industry longer, yeah, too. You yeah. know, like, he's been around since the 90s. Like, he and Ben Affleck have been kicking it, like, repping that little Boston crew. He, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon mm-hmm. for 25 years now. You know, like, they're in it. And um, I think he has, like, a lot of entrenched relationships. And it's like that thing... It's like Johnny Depp earlier this year. People right. come out... To say, like, oh, no, like, he's a great guy. He's great with me. Like, I've never he's seen He's never him. beat me. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> so. Says an older right. film executive, a male <laughs> film executive. Exactly. I've never been hit by Johnny Depp. Oh, okay. Just cool. today I saw a thing about Johnny Depp that was like, uh, he never hit Amber Heard when he was sober. It's like, <laughs> so it doesn't count because he was drunk? Like, I don't think that's how it works. Oh, my God. That feels like Trump logic. We're just living in an age of Trump logic right now. And then the last thing I think we really need to address is Tom Hiddleston's speech about South Sudan. (laughs) I'm getting stressed out. Okay, so uh, the way I experienced the speech was as soon as he started talking for winning an award for The Night Manager, which I haven't heard of and don't plan to know anything more about, I muted my TV. I muted my TV. I muted it. It was the only, I think the only time in the night I muted my TV. I I watched all the commercials, let all the commercials run. And when he spoke, I just, so I don't know what he said other than that it was bad. When I was in South Sudan, that was the moment for me when I knew it was not going to be good. I was so embarrassed. I was like under my pillow, like screaming. I was so embarrassed. Let's read a, let's read a quick he transcript. He was so sweaty as well. Oh, everyone was sweaty though. I like think the Golden Globes have a heating problem. Do you remember that one year when it was just like cuts to the crowd of Frances McDormand fanning herself all night? <laughs> No one has ever looked more miserable. <laughs> okay, here's the here's the transcript of the speech. 
One night, we were having a bite to eat at the canteen where we were staying, and a group of young men and women tottered over to the table, and we were all having what they call a dirty beer in humanitarian language. Rachel had to ask me what a dirty beer was. I've never heard that. And then I love how it's like in humanitarian. No, that's just like English. They were a group of Medicine Sans Frontieres doctors and nurses, and they wanted to say hello because during the shelling of the previous month, they had binge-watched The Night Manager. During the shelling. Can you even... More lady problems after this break. All right. So before we go, uh, I wanted to talk to you, Teo, about your article called uh, Here's Your Oscar Ballad of Winners for Movies Directed by Women. And it's basically about your dream, you know, award series, award ceremony and what movies you would pick. So maybe you could pick a few movies and tell us why you think they should be nominated for things this season. This is something that um, I actually feel kind of strongly about, and it happens every award season, that there are really great movies that are directed by women in a given year that, for whatever reason, factor into critical conversation and people seem to really, really love them, and then all of a sudden, come awards time, screeners get sent out, and it's like nobody's seen them all of a sudden, and they don't make it to the ballots, they don't make it to the ceremonies, and it's like they cease to exist come November, December, when all these decisions are getting made. So you have movies like uh, American Honey or Certain Women or The Love Witch, movies that are like really fantastic, well-made, brilliant films that have great performances, that have great technical craft, um, but somehow they don't get recognized. And the Oscars, like, I mean, I think we all think the Oscars are a little silly. Like, it's hard not to. They're stupid as hell. They're so dumb. But that said, a lot of the ways that these movies like make an impact with audiences who aren't, you know, culture critics is that they find people find them through award season. And so it's like this movie's been nominated for best picture. This movie's been nominated for best actress. Let me seek it out. Let me go find it. And it would just be really cool if sometimes those films were not directed by men. Um, that would be cool. That'd yeah, be amazing. Imagine. <laughs> what was your? Can you give us a couple examples? Like, I really liked the costume design. Well, so my costume design example was the Love Witch because there's a moment in the Love Witch where she like opens her coat and is like, "I line all my clothing." <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's, it's rainbow lined. Yeah, it's rainbow lined. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Oscar worthy of that one moment alone, as if like every other frame weren't as magnificent as that one. But like my favorite film of the year was a movie called Things to Come that was directed by Mia Hansen Love. Um, and it's about kind of her mother, who was a philosophy professor. And it's just like this brilliant, beautiful movie, amazing script. It's amazingly well edited. The direction is mm, so on point. But like that's not even factoring into best foreign film, let alone into like the general conversation. Meanwhile, you have Isabelle Huppert, who's the star of that film, um, is winning awards for the movie that she made with Paul Verhoeven, who's a male director. And Elle is great. We talked about Elle on the show. But it would be fantastic if like... This other film, which is just as good, which is just as interesting, which is just as cinematic, which is just as well-craft, was receiving some kind of attention or at least was receiving some kind of acknowledgement for the, the work that it takes to make a film that good. You also gave multiple awards to certain women. Oh, my God. I <laughs> love—you guys, I just love certain women so much. Certain women— uh, 
Certain Women is amazing because Certain Women is about, it's like a boring movie about how angry everyone <laughs> is to live in Montana. <laughs> That's the nicest like, I've heard of It's that like, oh, Montana is so boring and everything sucks here. And it's just like these women having to like deal with their shitty lives there. And it's, oh, God, it's so amazing. And it stars, it stars like major movie stars like Laura Dern. Laura Dern was at the Golden Globes. Everybody knows Kristen Stewart. Like everybody, Michelle Williams is nominated for Oscars again for another film that's directed by a man, Manchester by the Sea. Um, but she's in Certain Women and she's amazing in Certain Women. Yeah, and it's just like that movie too, I think so sums up to me just like the bitterness of like having to live life as a woman and putting in so much work all the time. And still just not getting fucking acknowledged for it. You know what's so funny is I interviewed the director, uh, Kelly oh. Reichardt, and she was amazing. I said that. I was like, I feel like this movie's about, like, all the work that women do in, like, si- the way they're silenced. And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I don't really think about it that much. Wait, I'm going to read her exact quote. She was like. <laughs> I love her. She said, I'm not sure I saw it like that. I try to actually avoid themes. <laughs> Which I was like, you're amazing. She is amazing. Like no, you right. I think it really just is about life being really boring in Montana. Montana That's sucks. The theme. That's a theme. Yeah, yeah, it is a theme. So. Montana's really beautiful. That's what I learned from certain women. Yeah. It's beautiful and it sucks. There's an amazing story in certain women where it's like this like ranch girl sort of falls in love with Kristen Stewart because she just like sees her out somewhere and it's like it's not gonna work out. And you get to the end of the story and it's really sad because it's just like, yeah, like you should be sad. You're not going to meet anyone here. <laughs> like there's no people for you to meet. Like it's just you and your horses. So You're in this alone. <laughs> like her like truck like rolls off the road and it's just like no one's going to find no. you. Like you're going to sleep at the wheel. Yeah. And you know what? You're going to love it, Hazel. It's it really for nice. you. <laughs> and also what struck me as we were talking about this, I feel like that Lily Gladstone who plays that character oh, you're talking amazing. about, she is so good, is basically all of us as we watch Kristen because we're not going to ever get to like be with her or meet oh, her. Oh, she's so hot in that movie. She's yeah. so hot always. But, but it's yeah. like she just goes kind of like, all right. She's like very charming and great. And then she just pieces out and we're stuck driving down the road falling asleep at the wheel <laughs> of life. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Rachel wants to date Kristen Stewart. I do. That's the moral I do. of the story. Who doesn't? Now we're going to hear from one of our listeners named Carly, who is from Toronto and is having a problem finding a girl group that doesn't suck. Lady Problems, big fan. My name is Carly Hefner and I'm from Toronto. Um, My lady problem is that I can't find a women's organization that is for like kind of millennial women and that a place kind of like the wing in New York City and I really want to go there and I want to like experience it but I just can't find anything and I've been researching it a bunch and I'm just like am I looking in the wrong places because Google's never let me down before so do your thing lady problems all right so okay Carly I mean Hazel you had some really good advice that you gave when you heard this the first time yeah so I've always had sort of like a crew of women in my life. Like ever since I was a teenager, you know, um, women who've mentored me or 
uh, my friends of mine, people I've worked with, and I found them through the internet. I didn't find them in a physical space. Um, and when we did meet up in person, we would meet up in pizza parlors or we would meet up in parks and libraries. So and wholesome. People's <laughs> homes. Yeah. And like, I mean, the, the wind- soda shop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, the wing is really cool, uh, but I, I don't think you need a fancy, you know, space to meet women who are interested in the same things as you, who, you know, you want to talk about ideas with, whether it's work-related or, you know, personal. And, like, I I mean, I, I strongly believe that, like, that f- women's clubs, especially feminist clubs, like, they can exist anywhere. They don't even have to exist in person. Um, and I think when you uh, pick physical spaces for those clubs, it can kind of get um, you can exclude people because they don't live in the same city as you or maybe they can't afford to be in that space and so yeah I would suggest that like uh, I don't know go on the internet (laughs) that's a really long (laughs) winded answer no that's a really good point that's a really good point I mean as somebody who like I have always been I think about like middle school and high school sort of being excluded by meet the sort of classic mean girl who and and I hate that feeling and so I think that that you know the more the older I've gotten the more I'm realizing like yeah you do kind of make your own quote-unquote girl groups like I you know you have I have several in my life and I think it's not they're not I don't always meet them in physical spaces but there's definitely like support coming from several different areas and I think it just depends I mean you define what that means to you I'm sure you already have women in your life or maybe you don't but like there's easy ways on the internet. Just like go on Twitter, start being your clever, funny self, and like you know people will people will find you. Yeah, I also feel like this is a great opportunity to start something where you live. Like mm-hmm. grab a few of your friends, pick a cafe or something, and meet. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might be the thing too. It's like don't be afraid to um, use the communities that you already have made as professional support groups too you know what I mean like your friends if you don't talk to your friends about your hopes your dreams you know consider it like there are people in your life who already care about you and if that's something that interests you then maybe that's something that they're willing to support you with so our podcast producer Kasha just told us about a few actually real and current organizations in Toronto that are cool. So she can vouch for the Society of Beer Drinking Ladies, which, okay, so they describe themselves as a group of Toronto ladies passionate about all things craft beer. They meet on the last Friday of every month in a secret location. Hoo-hoo. Then there's the Drunk Feminist Films, which is pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> I think. I think we should start doing that. <laughs> Uh, and then there's Bike Pirates, which is an organization. It's a bike repair shop that has uh, something called Trans and Women Sundays. And it's open exclusively to trans folks and women. And you go and you uh, talk about biking and how to fix your bike. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been there. <laughs> but it sounds cool. So you should do one of these things. It's also rad that they're um, openly trans inclusive. Totally. Also Warrior Girl Group. <laughs> <laughs> Virtually. Yes. We're reaching out to you. Just call in every week. Just call in once a week. Yeah. (laughs) 
So make sure that you call and leave us a message. We're here to answer questions about any of your lady problems. Give us a call at 205-677-5239. That's 205-677-LADY. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LadyProblemsPod. We're going to start tweeting out, out upcoming guests so you can ask them specific questions. Thank you kindly to my co-hosts, Hazel Sills. Thank you. <laughs> and Teo Bugby. Thanks. This was lovely. I love shitting all over the Golden Globes with you. I'm Rachel Handler, and that was Lady Problems for this week. See you guys next week. This episode of Lady Problems was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you.